The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Today, like I said, we will be discussing a passage out of Luke. And thank you, Brendan, for sharing that because this summer for us has been a time where we've had the opportunity to meet new people and thus discover new stories. And so today, the theme that I want to try to bring in is this theme of stories and how they bind together and how they come together to make something greater than the individual. Stories are really important because whenever we tell a story, it gives us the opportunity to enter into somebody else's life. It gives us the opportunity to say, this is part of my life that you may share with me, And then it offers up to them the opportunity to be vulnerable with us by sharing us their story. But the kingdom of heaven, which is truly what's at stake today, is built upon these stories of individual people. The kingdom of heaven is not something that is far away that we cannot comprehend. It is something that is here and now bound between the stories of people like you and me. And so our first storyteller that we're going to look at today is Luke. Luke is an interesting storyteller, to say the least. He's my favorite gospel writer, partly because he's different than everybody else who has written any of the gospels. Luke was the doctor of the group, which brings on its own connotation that may be good or bad. But what Luke did was he took the norm, he took the things that we expected, and he flipped them upside down. He always took the ending that we thought we saw coming, and he changed it. In Luke's gospel, things happen completely unexpectedly. The poor are comforted. The sinners are anointed, and the wicked are in fact redeemed. Because at that time, a status quo of society had been created. And it's the status quo that some people deserve what they get. They, they're sinners, they're bad people, they're wicked, and they are neglected by society, and those people get what they deserve. But that's not what happens in Luke. Luke's gospel is different. But if Luke is a storyteller, then he is really telling the story of another man, and that's Jesus, who is the ultimate storyteller here. Because throughout Jesus' ministry, he began by coming with his disciples and with the people following him and telling stories. And that are these parables that we're learning. So, if you would like to join me, our scripture today is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And so hopefully you will join in reading that. And what we'll be seeing today is a story unlike any other parable that is told throughout the Gospels. And that's why I love Luke. This specific parable told by Jesus, then reiterated by Luke, is unique in that it is only found in this Gospel. It's only found in this book. So we are presented with two people in this parable, a rich man and a man named Lazarus. And what's interesting in the offset, when you just read the title header at the beginning of your passage of the Bible, you'll notice that this is different than any other parable in that we finally have a name. In every other parable, it's just spoken of as a son, or a man, or a woman. But this parable has a name, Lazarus. So let's read together. Starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. 
The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. Now the rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was being tormented. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here, you cannot do so, and no one can cross from here or from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. But again Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will in fact repent. And he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And that's such a fitting ending for Jesus who's telling this story because he's kind of hinting at himself in that. But what we have here in this parable is a story that Jesus told. And this story has many different complex parts. It has a surface and it has a deeper level. And so my goal today is for us to break through the surface of this story and get to that deeper level to find out what Jesus was truly trying to say. Because we know that these parables are not simple history lessons. They're not what you would expect in school. These parables are rather a theme or a point that Jesus is trying to convey through the use of a metaphor or a story that may be difficult if we were just to first read it. So we have two characters in this story. And those two characters are the rich man and Lazarus. So first in verse 19, we see there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Now this man is different than Lazarus in that he has no name. And it's important that he has no name. It was designed that he would have no name. But what we do know is that the rich man was commonly called Dives, which in Latin means rich man. So he had a, a pseudo name, but he didn't really have a name. He was just known as the rich man. And it says in verse 19, in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. Now, we all probably know that purple was the color of royalty. But in fact, there was a coastal line in what is now present-day Lebanon, where there were small sea creatures on the coast of Tyr, is what it's called. There were small sea creatures who could produce a single drop of this purple dye. And it's really important because that drop was then representative of the color of kings and of princes and of people who would be considered royalty because it was such a rare dye. So we know that this man was in some way very important. He was rich, but he was also of some type of royalty because he had this purple dye. And then we move on to verse 20 to meet our other character in our story, Lazarus. And it says in verse 20, And at this man's gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores. Now this is important because Jesus gives Lazarus a name that is representative of something. The word Lazarus derives from the Hebrew name Eleazar, which means God as my help. And so Jesus could have said, 
Here is a man who is poor, who relies on God, but he didn't choose to do that. He chose to weave into the story a name which was representative of a man who was needing God's help. And the other interesting thing about this man that we learn is that he was probably not a habitual beggar. He was probably not someone who for his entire life was begging on the streets or in this particular place, but rather circumstances led him to where he is now at this gate for the rich man. So perhaps before we attempt to find out what this deep meaning of this parable is, we should instead trim the edges of it by deciding what it isn't. Because if we were to read these parables and we were to take them for their surface value, which is to say all the words we read and we say that's the only point, then I think we're going to miss what Jesus is really trying to do with us here. So firstly, I think it's important to notice that despite the fact that we're dealing with a rich man and with a poor man, this parable is not in fact about money. If we were to think of this parable as only about money, then we, were, we would be missing that which Jesus wants for us. In the verse, it says here in 21 that this poor man longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. So we're presented with an idea, an idea that says, here is a man who is feasting sumptuously every day. So obviously he's rich, right? Obviously he has money. He's eating every day, much like we would. And then there's a man who his only desire is to eat that which comes from that rich man's table. And I think when we associate ourselves with people in this passage, we think, well, I'm not that rich man. I don't feast sumptuously. I don't wear the finest clothes. But in comparison to Lazarus, we do. We eat three meals a day. We wear clothes. We wear things that we would consider to be probably fine. But I think that that means that Jesus can't be condemning all of us, right? Jesus can't be saying, all of you who eat regular meals and all of you who wear fine clothes are like this rich man who will be taken to torment. That can't be the case. And so if that's not the case, then this parable is not about the money. If rich people to hell and poor people to heaven was as black and white as the kingdom of heaven, then I don't think there would be any purpose to this community or to what we do here. There would be no purpose to it because all we would need is to be poor and we would go to heaven like Lazarus. So no, this is not about the money. But there is a verse that I find particularly interesting, and this is verse 25. It says, but Abraham said, child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. So this must surely be about the money, right? It said the rich man received his treasure, and Lazarus did not. Well, maybe not. Perhaps the idea that Jesus is saying here is that the rich man found his treasure in his money. He saw his money and he said, this is mine, this is my wealth, this is what I value, this is my treasure. But Lazarus was different. Lazarus had something else. He wasn't reliant on money. He wasn't consumed by that which he owned. And therefore, Abraham says, he is now comforted here because he did not receive his treasure as you. 
So if firstly, it's not about the money, then maybe we should move on to a second point. And this point is difficult for me because we often read this story and think that this story is Jesus's condemnation story. And like I said earlier, Jesus is not condemning rich people. Those who have are not automatically evil. So secondly, we cannot think of this parable as having black and white implications for our afterlife. It's a very dangerous thing to take this verbatim and say that some go to heaven and some go to hell for being rich or poor. But in fact, that is not what Jesus is trying to say because this parable is not about heaven or hell. If Jesus was trying to bring a kingdom, which we know he was, that is here and now in this world, then he would not be telling us that our only vices were our money, and if we did not have that money, then we would be a part of that kingdom. So if we know, in fact, that this passage is not about heaven and hell, then what could it be about? Let's read verse 22 once again together. And it says here that the poor man died and was carried away by angels to be with Abraham. Now, some of you are reading your Bible right now, and you have a different translation than I, and it ends with saying Abraham's bosom. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm thinking of a place to be comforted, I'm thinking I could probably just be to the right of Abraham. I wouldn't really need to be in his bosom because that's a little invasive for me. However, I want to clear this up because when I was researching this passage and when I was looking through it, I thought to myself, that's a very strange place for Lazarus to be comforted on Abraham's bosom. But in fact, what's interesting about this is that in a time of a feast in this day, two men would be sitting together on what was a reclining couch. It was sort of a, what we would see as a couch or a sofa, but it leaned back pretty far. And so one man would be sitting there with his arm like this on the edge of the couch and his hand rest, or his head resting on his hand like you would normally do to be comfortable. And so the other man next to him to his left, and they were pretty tight quarters, wouldn't be able to put his arm up, so he would have to lean into the other man in order to make himself comfortable. And so this was a, re this was a relatively regular thing to occur, was that one would lean into the other. But in fact, and what's very interesting about this, is that if you were sitting on the left of the master of the house who had his arm up like so, and you were to lean into the master of the house, it was considered a great honor. It was considered a position of honor in that feast. And so it was a very coveted position. And so what Jesus is saying here is he is telling these people that Lazarus is getting to be in a place of great honor because of who he is. And so, now that we know these two things, if this parable is indeed not about the money, and if this parable is indeed not a black and white picture of heaven and hell and of the afterlife, then what could it be? Perhaps we begin to see something surface here in that our money is not important, then maybe it is something else such as our value. What do we place value in? Like the rich man, he placed his value in his money. That was what he saw as his life, his value, and the things that he did. But Lazarus was different. He did not place his value in material things. So maybe, just maybe, this scene is from Jesus to help us discover what we should actually value, and that is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not the security of our own home. 
The kingdom of heaven is not the people that we only trust with information. There is a barrier, like Brandon said. There is a barrier around us constantly that we have to break out of if we are to value the kingdom of heaven. We cannot become what we would consider safe or secure in this building because the kingdom of heaven is not in this building. The kingdom of heaven is not in this book. It's out there, right? It's out there beyond the gate of the rich man's house and of our house. And so if that's the case, if that's Jesus' goal to say that we are inside our own security and we are inside what we would consider our house, then we have to go outside our gate. We have to break out of this barrier that holds us back from being who we are truly designed to be. In his book, A Grief Observed, which is one of my favorite books of all time, C.S. Lewis says this, and it may have something to do with what we're talking about, I think. I think he is thinking about this topic when he says this. He says, Sometimes, Lord, one is tempted to say that if you wanted us to behave like the flowers of the field, swaying in the wind, you might have given us an organization more like theirs. But that, I suppose, is just your grand experiment. To make an organism which is also a spirit, to take a poor primate, a beast with nerve endings all over it, a creature with a stomach that desires to be filled, a breeding animal that wants its mate, and say to it, now get on with it. Become a god. Christ is trying to do something with us in this parable. He's trying to say something to us that is beyond what we would read if we were to just skim through it. We cannot be content, as this world would like us to be, swaying like a flower in the wind, merely going with the ebb and flow of our daily lives. We can't be content to do that. And there might be some of this that is indeed a conviction of torment, but I don't think that's God's point. I don't think that's Jesus' goal here. I think his goal is to tell us, I have something more important for you if you will just step outside. Step outside that gate. Because these are the times and these are the thoughts that change the world. The world is not changed by someone who stays within themselves and doesn't branch out. We all have a story, a story that is important, a story that needs to be told. And if we don't let that story out beyond our gate, then how can we ever expect the kingdom of heaven to add itself to us? And so knowing that, Jesus tells us this story to make our lives meaningful. He tells us the story to say that you do not have to put your value in the things around you. You do not have to hold yourself in. All I'm asking you to do is open up your door and walk outside. Because if you don't, then things will happen to you that you do not want. This decision and this way of life isn't easy. And it's not supposed to be easy. Because if it were easy, everyone would do it, right? But the easy way is to stay inside. So what I want to do is I want to leave you with a little bit of a comfort passage here. This is my absolute favorite verse in the entire Bible. It's a comfort verse that Isaiah tells. And he talks about, and he says this to people who are in trial and they're in torment. But he says this, this is chapter 4, verse 2. He says, On that day, 
The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and the glory of the survivors of Israel. Whoever is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, once the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning, then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over its places of assembly a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of flame and fire by night. Indeed, over all the glory there will be a canopy, and it will serve as a pavilion, a shade by day from the heat, and a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBCCPH. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.